0: talk about today how to own your reach own your reach okay and I'm really passionate about this okay so um, uh, I, I need to hurry up and get into this because I got a lot I want to say but I don't want to I don't want to take up too much time either I want to I want to say what needs to be said but I'm really passionate about this I want you to really get with me on this uh, today if you will really listen because this is what God has called us for this is what God has called us to this is what God has left us with is our challenge okay so let's have a word of prayer and jump into this real quick. Father, I thank you, God. Thank you for the promises of your word. I thank you, God, for the blessing of your presence. Uh, but God, I also thank you for the passion that you put inside of us. God, how, how it's hard for us to look at someone who is struggling and not want to help. How it's hard for us to look at someone who is being taken advantage of or abused and not wanting to do something about it. God, God, you you have put that inside. That was not an accident. You put that inside of us. I thank you for that. But God, I also ask you, Help us dig that out because sometimes that's, that gets covered up by other things and things that are important, but we, we lose sight of that, God, so God, help us dig out that passion again. Help us dig out that, that, that uh, purpose, Lord, that you gave us, the, the calling, God, the, the desire to help and to reach, God. I pray in Jesus' name for that. And Everybody said, come on, can I get a good amen? Amen. 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 Okay. So Why own your reach? What are you talking about, Pastor, We're owning your reach? You see, I think most Christians, we look at reaching others as like it's, it's almost like a byproduct of all the other stuff we do, that we will accidentally reach others. Very few people are accidentally reached for Jesus Christ, you know? And uh, I think Jesus tells us a story, gives us a parable that I think lays that out for us real well. So let, let's read, read that. This is Matthew chapter 13, nine verses here, and I've just had to cut some of it out, you know, just for time's sake. But a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, just scattering them, you know, just throwing them out there and hoping something comes up of it. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. Because the footpath was hard, the seeds couldn't find any place to take root and grow. Seeds also fell on shallow soil, but because it was too shallow, it couldn't develop any roots, and so those failed to grow. Seeds fell among thorns which choked them out. Other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as, has, as had been planted. So what's, I, I think what we do as Christians too often is we do this and we just scatter our seed and we kinda hope something's gonna happen and hope somebody is gonna receive salvation. And, and, and Jesus is showing us that everybody's, everybody's not ready to receive the seed. You know, and, and, and here I think is a point that we sometimes miss in this is that this last place, the place that actually took root and produced this great harvest, wh- look at it. It's fertile. It's the right place. No doubt if this farmer was sowing seed like that, he probably prepared the ground in some way. He didn't just walk out there and all of a sudden just start throwing seed out. In the, in the one place where the seed took root and produced an awesome harvest, there was preparation that was made. The ground that maybe had been hard, like the footpath, he broke it up. Maybe been covered with, with thorns, like the other ground, he tore those down and said, He, he did some work. He didn't just scatter it out. And I think what we do as Christians is we think we do enough good stuff. Eventually, somebody's going to say, Hey, I want Jesus too. But it takes a more focused reach. To have impact. If we want to really reach folks, then it's going to take a focused reach. Just like it took a focused reach for the early church to spread across the globe, what they could reach back in those times, what they could actually physically get out to and reach. It took a focused reach for that to happen. They didn't just scatter, they made plans, they planned mission trips. They preach sermons. They did certain things to reach that. It also took a focused reach for 2911 to reach that goal. You know, the goal that, that, and now over 60, just over 60% of the people who regularly attend 2911 were not going to church anywhere before coming here. You know, that didn't happen by accident. That didn't happen because we were just throwing seed out there, but there was a focused reach and now we bump that up to 70%, okay? So that's our next goal, all right? So we're not satisfied right here, is we want to see even more, okay? We got over 180 people regularly attending our church now that uh talking about just adults and, and teenagers that, um, that were going nowhere. So now it's time for us to, to reach that next 180 people that don't know who Jesus is or don't know what he can be in their life. You know, and, and, and if it didn't happen to this point by accident, it's not going to happen beyond this by accident or also it was a focused effort that enabled some parents to reach all of their children now i really want to dig in here just for a second if i can some of you parents you look around you say why is it that their kids are all in church and they're and, and these are they're not in church you you need to pay attention okay because it's not going to be by accident you are not going to lead all of your children if you're a parent and some of you aren't parents yet, but you're going to be. So listen to this. You're not going to lead all your children to know Jesus Christ and follow him all the days of their life by accident. There are some things you've got, to, you've got to have a focused reach to them. You've got to have purpose in the things that you do and the things that you teach and the way you teach them. The Word of God says, train up a child in the way he should go. Not just throw seed at him. You know, not, not just buy him a Bible and leave it in his room. Train up a child. There was a focused reach talked about in that scripture that if we train up a child in the way she go, then when they are old, they will not depart from it. If you want that, if you want that, if you want that, there's got to be some focus about it, all right? And here is the, you know, and right now, we're still talking about the why, you know. Why is it because I, we do want to reach the globe, We do want to fulfill the Great Commission because we we do want to reach that next, you know, get up to that 70%, that next 180 plus people that do not know Jesus Christ yet. And because of something I believe in God for called household salvation. And, you know, now some people say, well, the Bible doesn't promise us household salvation. Well, I, you know, I, I wish I could 100% argue with you and, and explain that to you, but I'm just going to have to take you on the journey that I've been on in Scripture with this, okay? So let me, let me take you there. And here's, here's Scripture. And this is a, this is a man that—and I don't have time to lay the whole story out for you. Let me just say, this is a man that asked a couple of disciples one night, Sirs, must, uh, what must I do to be saved? And the disciples told him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone, everyone in your household. And, and I know I've got people say well that wasn't a promise to you. He didn't say that was a promise to everybody but I also read the scripture where God says he's not a respecter of persons That if he would make this promise to this guy, why well, wouldn't he make it to me too? That if he would tell this guy that if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ You can be saved and your whole house if he would make that promise then now listen if you're a parent then you need to get a hold of this with me right here, okay? If you're, if you're a parent to be one of these days, you're going to be a parent, you need to get a hold of this right now and say, wait a minute, is God promising us household salvation? I, I don't have time to ring them all to you, but I wanted to give you this one to let you see it. And if you'll go to the Sunday's page, I don't have time to, time to preach them all right here, but if you'll go to the Sunday's page, if this is important to you and you're a parent and you want to see all of your kids and your grandkids, Know Jesus Christ in their life and know what he means in their life know what he can mean in their life If you want then I dare you go to the Sunday page, click on the link and it will take you to three more stories beyond this one About where God speaks about household salvation and one of them is in the Old Testament And in the, all the way back thousands of years before you and I ever lived before this God has already speaking. And you know who he speaks it to he speaks it to a prostitute not somebody that's showing up on, uh, on Sundays to, to worship God. Not somebody who's paying their tithes. Not somebody who seems to have the perfect life. But a prostitute. And God speaks this promise to, to her that, that she can have the salvation. It's a very physical salvation in this sense. But this salvation of, of a, her entire household. So if you're a parent, if you're a parent and you want to know more about it, I, I, go to the Sunday's page this afternoon. Make sure and start looking at this and start praying about this. And listen. You you can argue with me and say well that's not a promise to everybody But this this, God is the same God and if he said that could happen to him It can happen for me, and I'm taking a hold of it. It's my promise. Okay, God's gonna have to tell me It's not my promise. Okay, because I'm taking a hold of it because here here's the point to me My little family me Dava our two kids their two spouses our grandkids nine with number 10 on the way okay and ten of those And as I look at those, and if I see those, you know, I probably could have put the picture up there on on the screen for it. As I look at their faces and think about who they are, and you ask me the question, you know, Pastor, would you be okay with 90% of your family knowing Jesus Christ when they pass from this life? You know what i got to do? i got to pick out a face and say, this is the face that, no, if, if they don't know Jesus, I'm okay with that. And you know what? I can't pick out a face. Come on somebody. I can't pick out a face. There is there is not Anything less than a hundred percent that is okay with me, knowing Jesus Christ in my family, and I have made I've made that determination, and I am chasing after that promise in that scripture and those others that all of my family is going to. And you know what? Ten may not be the end of it. I, you know, if the Lord lets me live long enough, I'm probably going to see some great grandchildren. And I have already decided. and I prayed that this. This was the one of the, the things that I asked God for when when I felt called into ministry. Is God? I, uh, that's one of the things was I said God but just just don't send me places that I'm just spinning my wheels I want to have impact and the second thing and probably was the first thing but I will say it second here is, is that God I don't want to lose any of my family and he's been He's been faithful to that at this point and so you know what I'm going for it all as long as I am alive every grandchild every great grandchild if he lets me see great great grandchildren I want every single one of them to know Jesus Christ before they leave this world if that, and if that's if that if you can get that with me and that's who you are then you understand now the why this is why i have to own my reach it can't just be throwing something out there here and there it can't just be buying them a bible and leaving it in their room if i gotta own my reach i gotta own my then then what's that look like just before i tell you how to do it let, let me let me let me say this i have not cornered the market on the understanding of how to do this i am You know I don't know that I know more than everybody in this room about how to do this but here's what I do know over 30 years of ministry experience 25 of that as a pastor here's what I know is I have watched a lot of people I've watched a lot of churches and I've watched a lot of parents and some have been successful in reaching those close to them and others have failed at reaching those so what you know what I've watched I've seen people, some successful and some fail at reaching the people close to them. I've seen churches, some successful and some fail at reaching people who don't know Jesus Christ. And parents, I've seen some be successful, and I've seen some fail at reaching 100% of their children. You know, if you don't care how many, you don't need the rest of this message. But if you care, and you want to be 100%, and you want to reach your, and I'm not not just about your family but you want to reach those people that God has put in your life, you want to reach, you're tired of watching people's lives fall apart and you're ready to reach them and for them to start discovering what their life can be in Jesus Christ, then I want to tell you some how, okay? Some very practical stuff. Some from Scripture, some very practical stuff, okay? So here's four things I want to tell you how, and i got to do this quick, okay? Because i got a lot of stuff to tell you real quick. Here's four things of how to own your reach. And the first one is consistency, but I'm going to call it 24-7-52. 24 hours a day seven days a week 52 weeks out of the year we've got to get back to consistency you know I think hypocrisy is the the one excuse I've heard the most from people who don't attend church on why they won't come to church you've heard that before right oh I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites right you've heard that you know most of us have heard heard that you know because it's full can I tell you something that's not God's fault and that's not the world's fault that's our fault if 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 we are hypocrites, it's our fault, okay? Uh, and if we have given the example, or if we've given the, this, this, uh, the, this show of being a hypocrite in any way, that's our fault. We've got to change that, because this is our story. When we say something, if, if, we, if we come across as saying one thing or being something else, we're destroying our story. We're destroying our testimony, our witness, our ability to reach somebody, okay? Let me take you to James chapter 3, and uh, Uh, This is uh, what seven verses right here James writes and the tongue is a flame of fire People can tame all kinds of animals birds reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue It is restless. It is evil. It is full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God Sometimes it praises our father And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. That doesn't mean just using four-letter words. We curse people in a lot of ways without using four-letter words, okay? It praises and it curses. Okay, go on to the next verse now. How can that be? And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. I mean, if I were writing this, I would have wanted to put a question mark right there. But God didn't lead James to put a question mark right there when he was impressing him to write this But I think it kind of has that same tone here because then then James says surely my brothers and sisters. This is not right That blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth Does a spring of water bubble uh, bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. What he is saying is Blessings and cursings can't come out of the same mouth because they emanate from the same heart the same passion the same person How can this be it, it can't be one it can't be this one in today and and the other tomorrow It's got to be one or the other and so here's where we've got to begin is we've got to begin to be people who are consistent 24 7 52 you know, uh, so, I, and, and I, I've got so much to say here, and I'm just going to have to jump to some things and not really build it as much as, as, as I really want to here. But let me just show you this with parents and children, okay? Because I, I, think, I think it's one of the places that we struggle maybe the most and we don't even realize it. It's like you, you, can't, you can't amen the preacher on Sunday and then live by a different set of rules the rest of the week. You can't do that if you want to own your reach and reach your children. I I think, you know, the hypocrisy that keeps a lot of people from coming to church, in the same way, the hypocrisy in the lives of parents is what many times drives their own kids away from church. And you say, well, I don't, you know, here's what you've got to get. is showing up at church, you know, wearing the shirt, saying I'm a Christian, that kind of a thing. Showing up at church says, this is what I believe in. Even when you don't say it with your mouth, you're saying it with your actions. You're saying it by, by being a church member, by, by, by serving God, by lifting up your hands and singing the song. You're saying that. And then when Friday night doesn't line up with Sunday morning, your kids are like, whoa, what's going on here? And not just your kids, but everybody else around you. You, you can't, amen, the preacher, you can't be a part of this on Sunday morning and, and just if you want to own your reach. You know, you can't be, you know, like James was saying right here, you know, you can't be blessing God in worship on Sunday morning and then blessing out the waitress on Sunday afternoon. Mm, How oh, does that hurt? Sound like somebody got hurt there? Yeah, that's what James is saying here. We, if you want to only reach, if you want to reach our community, if you want to reach your community, they can't see pictures of you maybe on our Facebook page in the middle of worship and then see you blessing out a waitress on Sunday afternoon. That's what I'm talking about. You can't, if you want to reach somebody, you can't be giving these two different, you've got to be who you say you are, you know, and you can't be walking around here on Sunday morning, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, how are you, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, and then you're whining about everything else on Facebook the rest of the week. Come on. Yeah. Amen. You can't, if you want to own your reach and be able to have impact on people's lives, you've got to be living the same thing every day that you're saying you believe on Sunday morning. There's not, it can't be a different set of rules. And you know, that different set of rules isn't just what sometimes we do as parents. Like we live something, uh, yeah, we're we're strong church members and, and then we change the rules the rest of the week. We do that for our kids as well. Again, man, I got, I got so much I want to say here. I'm going to, I'm going to jump to this one because I think this will be really in your face and maybe you'll get it. Is it's not enough, and this is not, this is not a world problem. This is a, this is a Christian problem too. We do this too. There cannot, if you want to impact your kids, let's start right there. If you want to impact your kids, if you want to really reach them, there can't be a different set of rules on Sunday morning than there is when they're on spring break. Is you need... To be setting the same rules okay oh man I didn't get into this one right here in the first service but God just brought it back to my mind it's not in my notes and I said God you just let me forget it if I'm not supposed to say it okay you know but but here we are on spring break you know and it it blows me away it blows me away that that Christians would say well but you know they're adults now she just turned 18 and She's still living in your house, right? Oh, man, I'm about to get in trouble right here, aren't I? But they're adults, and I can't make them do they living in your house? But they're, but they're adults now, and I... Okay, okay let, let me just give you the example of church right here, okay? Look around you. Most of the people in this room are over 18 years of age. Now, we got a lot of young adults, but they are young adults. 18 to 30 years, I got a bunch of them, okay? They're adults in this room. And you know what would you do if somebody st- just stood up right now and decided they'd give a political speech for whichever person they are supporting out there? You know, and I just and I just sat here, you know. And after church, you know, he said, "Pastor, why did why did you and ushers just let that go on?" I said, "Well, you know, they are adults." You see, you no, know, you'd be looking at me and say, Pastor, you're supposed to be in charge of this thing on Sunday morning. And I know this is God's house, right? But I know I am the man. I am the man that God is, I mean, look, God's going to look to me first. And I am the man right here, you know. And if somebody gets up and starts giving some kind of, or interrupting what's going on, there are going to be some ushers real quickly, kind of, uh, encourage them to maybe sit down and let's talk afterwards. And if they don't, there's going to be some big ushers, encourage them to just leave and let's talk outside later, you know. And hopefully some of our biggest will be offering to do that if they, if, they, right you're going to be looking to me why because that's my job because yeah this is God's house and God is kind of in a way he's left it in my uh, under my control or my leadership right here and so I am the one. why is that different than your house God is if you are the if you are the spiritual head of your house why is that different at home? I don't, and I don't care if it's your own kids or if a 30-something-year-old person needs, to, needs somewhere to sleep and they live in your house for a couple of weeks. It doesn't matter. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're related to you or not. That is your house. You are supposed to be the spiritual head of that house. If you want to make a difference in this world, you have to have the same rules on Sunday morning that you have the rest of the week, no matter what's going on. Yeah, you go ahead and give God and a hand praise on that. And then I watch these parents on the news. I don't understand. They got off to spring break. I don't understand. They got off on Friday night. I don't understand. They've been such a good kid, and and I don't understand. It's because you didn't prepare them for that. You didn't prepare them to all of a sudden change the rules and throw them out there. And you need, to, you need to be paying, listen to me parents, you need to be paying attention where you're sending them and what you're, and taking away all the rules all of a sudden. It's like they've had all these rules and now and all of a sudden we're going to turn them loose at spring break and say, yeah, yeah I know you're, you're probably going to drink a little bit. I know you're probably going to, and why in the world, are, why are we surprised? Because we have not trained them to be in a world like that, and then we change the rules on them. Your kids, your friends who do not know Jesus Christ, your, your, your co-workers, the people you go to school with that do not know Jesus Christ, they need a message that is consistent 24-7-52. And that's the only way you're going to have impact on their life. That is the very first thing you've got to do. And if you need to change some things there, change. If you don't, Watch. You watch yourself because it's coming. You're going to be tempted to change your rules. You're going to be tempted to change. So don't do that. Second thing, be real. All right, these next two are going to be quick, I hope. Be real. All right, you know, most people are not going to be reached by a Billy Graham crusade. Most people aren't. And, you know, Billy Graham, he, his time is pretty much done. You know, so. If we're, if we're expecting Billy Graham to do it, it ain't going to happen. And that's a good thing. You know why? Because most of you are sitting here thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not a Billy Graham, so I don't know how I can reach people. I'm telling you right now, okay? And here you go. Be real. Because people who don't know Jesus, they learn about Christianity watching you. Okay? They learn and 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 and, and here's the cool thing is your greatest opportunity to teach someone what Jesus means in your life is not when everything is going great. Your best opportunity to teach someone what Jesus means in your life is when all hell is breaking loose. You know, they're watching you and they're seeing what Christianity looks like when, when you aren't enjoying a perfect life. Well, that's just about every day of the week then, isn't it? You know, they are learning what Christianity is like when you don't have all the answers and when your life is not full of all the blessings. You know, we, we kind of think, well, I'm not a good example because I got problems. No, you're the best example. If you're hanging in there with that, like, and they uh, they learn what Christianity is like when you care, when you truly care about them and others. They learn what Christianity is like when you believe even when you struggle. Okay, I'll hurry through that so I can just say this and wrap this one up, it is this is the awesome opportunity, is when you are real. You, you don't need, and you, you really can't teach someone what the Christian life is like if you have a perfect life, because nobody does. It's not going to mean anything to them when they're watching you have a perfect life, and they say, well, what does that mean for me? But when they see You struggle and you have battles and you have all that when they see these things happen in your life And then they say you still got a smile on your face or you haven't been blown away by that Are you still believe that the God who was God yesterday when things are going? Okay, is still God today when all hell is breaking loose in your life. These are your opportunities People are watching you every single day. Don't try to be Billy Graham. Don't try to don't try to even be pastor I'm not perfect, but don't even try to be me be who you are just be real and in being real, you are going to show people what Christ in their life can be. And then, share Jesus. Share Jesus. I'm going to give you, uh, as quick as I can all these. Listen, you don't have to have a 15-pound King James Version Bible and a street corner to share Jesus. All right? Actually, standing on a street corner sharing Jesus is kind of like throwing out seed and hoping somebody catches it. If God tells you to do it, do it. Okay? Go do it. This afternoon, if he tells you, go do it. But understand, that is not the most efficient way because a lot of it's going to fall on hard ground, a lot of it's going to fall on shallow ground, a lot of it's going to fall on thorny ground. That's not the most efficient way, according to the words of Jesus. So we need to be doing some specific things. You can do it by wearing a Christian T-shirt. And thank God, thank God, we got some decent-looking Christian T-shirts around these days, right? I mean, when we first got started, they were all tacky, you know, and all that, you know, just weird little sayings and things, and like you're almost embarrassed to wear them. Thank God we got some good Christian T-shirts. So let me let me just say this one: the 2911 T-shirt. Any any one of them you've got, you know, if you're on a, any team or you've got a shirt, whatever, any of those, if you've been a part of a surf project, got one or whatever, all of those, if it says 2911 on it, it, that's an awesome T-shirt because you know what it does is, is when somebody says what's 2911, it opens the door in so many. Ways like if you will just learn the scriptures, First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. So when somebody says, uh, uh, "What does that twenty nine eleven mean?" And, and maybe you know that person, and, you know, and and uh, maybe they're struggling just say financially, and uh, you say, "Well, twenty nine eleven is the name of my church, and one of the reasons we're named that is because First Chronicles twenty nine eleven says that God owns everything; He is sovereign over it. He didn't just create it and hand it off; He still controls it right now. And so, like, if you've got financial problems, He can meet your needs because He created. All this stuff, and he still owns it. He's sovereign. Or maybe somebody uh, asks you what the 29:11 what on your shirt means, and, and maybe it's someone that, that you know just kind of feels alone, neglected, uh, lonely, or, or whatever. They don't feel like anybody cares about them, and so you say, "Oh, well, this is the name of my church." And one of the reasons we're named that is because 2 Chronicles 29:11 says that God has chosen us. He didn't just choose the Billy Graham's or whatever. He chose me and he chose you and God chose chose us and so you get you know open door for you to just tell somebody you are important because God chose you, or maybe maybe it's somebody that's just you know is just struggling in life that uh, they've had a lot of problems and they don't know if they can make it any further. And you say, oh, well, 29:11 that's the name of my church because Psalm 29:11 says that He gives us blessings. You know, every day He just pours out blessings of peace and blessings of strength. You know, no matter what we're going through, there is peace, there is strength, and tomorrow, no matter what we're going through, there is peace, there is strength. You know, to get you through. And you know, Jeremiah 29:11. But I mean, that's kind of the catch-all, right? So if you don't know this person, you can always say, oh, 2911, that's my church. And one of the reasons we're named that is because Jeremiah 2911 says, God has an awesome plan for your life. He is dreaming these big, huge dreams for you. And, and, you know, whatever it is that, you know, maybe life isn't going well, we dare you to come dream with us at our church. So, yeah, wear the shirt. And 2911 is one of the best shirts to wear because it opens all those doors for you. And if you can't remember all that, all you got to do is listen to the podcast later today or tomorrow and write those things down, okay? If you... forgotten from 101 but wear the shirt but also through conversation Um, I gotta hurry here but listen if you love Jesus if you love Jesus okay I, I got two encouragements there if you love Jesus he's going to come up in conversation when people talk to me, my grandkids come up in conversation, whether they got grandkids or not. <laughs> they might get bored hearing about my grand. but my grandkids going to come up in conversation. You talk to me very long because I love my grandkids. If you love Jesus, he's going to come up in conversation. Some of you, the next four months, Alabama or Auburn football is going to come up in conversation because you love college football. What you love is gonna come up in conversation. That's why we say around 2911 that everyone ought to attend a church they brag about. Honestly, if you don't brag about 2911, I'll pray for you to find the place that makes you say, let me tell you what, man, let me tell you about the heart of my church. Gave away a car a couple of weeks ago, you know, or something like that, you know? I mean, if if, if it doesn't make you wanna brag, if it doesn't spill out of you, then listen, you've got my permission to go find the place that God wants you to be because you need to be at a place that is constantly in your conversation, that Jesus and your church and the people of your church is coming up in conversation. It needs to be happening, okay? You need to be speaking that. Thirdly, in social media. And I almost didn't put this one on here because just like bad T-shirts, there's a lot of bad stuff out there on social. I don't mean like it's wrong or bad. It's just tacky you know or something you know what i'm talking about you know if you love jesus click on it if you don't if you pass by this don't click on it you don't really love jesus you know you're on your way to hell or what i honestly i got this one this week okay some of you may have gotten it too you know if god is going this is what it said honestly god is going to make tomorrow the best day of your life now you think about that Ultimate the best day of your life if you share this post with 30 more people within 20 minutes of reading it And there are a lot of people they're clicking trying to find 30 people God's gonna make tomorrow the best you know what I did I wanted to contact those people the next day and say well not that I don't believe in God. You've heard me say, I am trusting in God for household salvation. I got some big dreams for God. I believe God is who he says he is and can do what God says he, says, that God says he can do. I believe that. But I don't believe that God tells us to tell people, click on this, send it to 30 people, and then 20 minutes, and tomorrow will be the very best day of your life. That we do a lot of silly. Okay, so I am not talking about silly. No, go back to the one right before this. Be real Okay, and be real on Facebook. I mean, if Jesus, if you love Jesus, he ought to come up in your conversation. He ought to come up in your social media also with a touch card. Okay, I uh, don't have a lot of time here. Just, don't just cut somebody's grass. Leave them a touch card. Don't just buy somebody's breakfast in, in the drive through line. Leave them a touch card. Why? So you're letting someone know the reason this happened is because of what Jesus did in me. You've been touched because I've been touched. So let somebody know, but the important thing is this, is make the invitation. You know, if you do all these other things, you don't make the invitation. It's kind of like you're still just kind of scattering seeds. Some of these are very direct, but you got to get get purposeful. If I told you, after service I said, hey, there's a great concert this week I'm going to, and I started talking about all the bands that are going to be there and all this, how cool it is and everything. And I told you everything about it and how excited I was. You could just see, man, I am so excited about going to this concert. But I didn't tell you what night it was going to be. I didn't tell you where it was going to be held or what time. And I told you I got free tickets, but I didn't offer you one. Or I didn't say, would you like to ride with me? Or would you you want to meet me there and maybe sit with me? If I didn't tell you any of those things, you would not feel invited to be a part of my concert night, would you? So you can wear the shirt. You can post it on social media. But if you're not telling somebody, Gardendale Civic Center, 9 a.m. and 10.30, why don't you come meet me there? They don't feel invited yet. You know, There are very few people in this world who are going to show up at your house at dinner time and and expect dinner. Unless you invite them. You have to make the invitation. Make the invitation. And it doesn't, you don't have to preach the the Billy Graham message. Just say, hey, uh, and I'm going to give you one. I tell you all the time, we do everything we can to make it as easy as possible for you to invite your unchurched friends. Next Sunday, man, what a great opportunity. People who do not want to come to church. You can tell them, I dare you right now, take out your smartphone, make yourself a note on, on Friday to remind, a, a notification to remind you on Friday to invite someone to come to church next Sunday. On Friday, contact them, text them or whatever and say, hey, you know what, my church this Sunday, you know what we're doing? We're having church outside, one service, 10 o'clock. Preacher's gonna be real short because we'll have kids with us too. We're gonna have worship and we're gonna be have a baptism. Just be a cool time for you to come hang out with me, you know? That's your great opportunity. And maybe we can do that on social media on Friday. So if you see that, that's your reminder, okay? It's to do that. It's to tell people, you've got to make the invitation because as long as you're just telling them about it, but you don't tell them where it's happening and you don't say, and even if you say, well, you know, I normally go to the nine o'clock service, but if you'll come with me, I'll go to the 1030 service that day. Unless you say, unless you make, they don't feel invited. Make the invitation. Last thing urgency. Have a sense of urgency. This is one of the things, just one of the things Jesus told the disciples, Matthew, in Mark chapter 13, verse, beginning at verse 31. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my, word, my words will never disappear. When is that going to happen? However, no one knows the day nor the hour when these things are going to happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. Jesus left the disciples with a sense of urgency. When he left this world, they thought he might turn around and come right back in the next five minutes. They thought he might come back in the next five days. And you know, he had, he had given them such a sense of urgency that as you read the rest of, of, of their, their history in the New Testament, you read their writings, you read their preaching and all of that, you see this sense of urgency all the way up to their death. And if you will go to the Sundays page and you click on that link that's right there, it'll take you to and you'll see this scripture and then you'll see these guys all after that they'll keep talking about this this sense of urgency thing Uh, because I got a link there for you because I want you to see this is they had this sense of urgency and they never ever lost it why do we need a sense of urgency why do we need a sense of urgency because today is a dangerously crucial day for somebody Today, more than any other day in their life, today is dangerously crucial to them. There is some future alcoholic that has never even tasted alcohol, but today's the day that they've struggled. They've struggled so much, and today's the day. That future alcoholic, there's a future addict that today will smoke pot for the first time. Somewhere, Somewhere out here, there is a future addict who is going to smoke pot for the first time today. There is a husband who has been fending off the advances of some other woman but is going to flirt back for the very first time this week. There is a wife who is going to be made to feel significant and important for the first time in a long time this week and it be by someone other than her husband. There is a child who is going to be introduced to pornography for the very first time today. And I don't even, all I can tell you is there is one because I don't know what that number is going to be. But it is a huge number of children that are gonna be introduced to pornography for the very first time today. You see, the the stats say, here's what I do know about stats, is that 7,195 people are going to die in the United States of America today. And that same number is going to die tomorrow. And that same number is going to die Tuesday. And that same number is going to die Wednesday and every single day. And the only thing that's going to change about that number is it's going to get bigger as the weeks and the months pass. And see, so your friend, you may say, well, they're probably not going to die. They're probably not going to be that one of those 7,195 today, but they may be one of those others. They may be on the verge of trying pot. They may be on the verge of an affair. They may be on the verge of having a door open to pornography, and it's open earlier and earlier, it seems like every, every time we talk about it, and it's a Pandora's box that can never, ever be closed. It's happening. It's, that's why the sense of urgency. Okay, I'm gonna tell you one quick story, we're and we're, we're gonna be finished, okay? Let me tell you this one quick story. Four years ago, this. this this, this, this is my sense of urgency story, okay? Four years ago, our, our little family of nine that we are still right now, we went to, went to Disney World. And I uh, don't know if you know about it or not, but we have some Disney nuts in our family. And, um, and they really, they knew all the ins and outs. It was the most relaxing Disney World trip I have ever been on because we knew so much stuff. So anyway, so we took this trip but when we got there, we saw, some ho- we saw something horrible. We saw these horrible parents who had their kids on leashes, you know? I, not a collar, you know? You see them, right? With the harnesses and a tether, you know, and they're holding a kid on leash? And I've seen them before, before that happened, but I'm like, you know, I just like my righteous indignation getting started. I was like, how could these, kids, these parents be treating these kids like this? Well, I found out. <laughs> The very first day, I think it was, we were over by the Dumbo ride, the, the Dumbo flying elephant thing, you know? And I, what I remember is that I wasn't going to ride this ride, but everybody else was, that's what, I, I don't know. Maybe I was gonna keep Macy because Macy was so young or whatever. But as everybody was getting ready to go in line, we were talking about some other things, what's next, you know, and thirsty a little bit, you know, and we're talking about it. So everybody said, we're we gonna do this. And then all of a sudden, somebody notices, where's Colin?" two-and-a-half-year-old grandson is not in the circle. You know what we did? We stopped and we held a meeting on how best to find Colin. Nope, nobody had to tell us what to do. We fanned out and started screaming his name as loud as we could. I became Zacchaeus. I climbed up on a sycamore bench. I don't know who's made a sycamore, but I climbed up on a bench because it wasn't a huge crowd that day, but it was a good little crowd. And I, I wanted to be able to see over these people. And if there had been a sycamore tree there, I'd probably climb the tree. I climbed up and I'm still yelling, calling, calling, cut to the top, a lot louder than that, okay? It'll sound kind of embarrassing if I yell it as loud as I did that day, okay? And I'm yelling his name, I yell his name, and then I see him. 50, 60, 70 feet away from me, something like that. I jump down from the bench. I take off running over there with my hand held high so if the family sees me, they will see that I'm trying to get their attention. And I'm yelling, I got him! I got him! And I run over and I pick him up. That was two of the most horrific minutes of my life. Only two minutes. But it was two of the most horrific minutes of my life. And you know what? I didn't care that somebody heard me yelling Colin's name in such a loud that I was, I, was, I wasn't embarrassed, I might have been embarrassed that he'd let you hear it, you know, just yelling at it, but I wasn't embarrassed that day. I wasn't embarrassed to climb on top, I would have climbed the sycamore tree if that's what it took to find, I would have climbed under the sycamore tree if that's what it took to find him. You know, we, we had been talking about, you know, I was, probably wasn't riding this ride. That's what I remember. We were talking about the next ride. You know what? I wasn't into the next ride. The next ride didn't matter anymore. We already knew what parks we were going to the next day and the next day. You know what? Wasn't, wasn't important anymore. I didn't care. I didn't care if the whole vacation ended right then. That wasn't what was important to me. We'd been talking about being, being thirsty. It was hot. Talking about getting something to drink. Guess what? I didn't care. I didn't need anything to drink. I didn't need a big slurpee or a bottle of water or anything. And that that week, I think I had five meals that I will remember for the rest of my life. And two of them were really all about the food, wasn't anything about Mickey or Donald or any of that, okay? And but let me tell you something. In that moment, I didn't need anything to eat. I didn't care. You could have brought me a stack of ribeyes, and I wouldn't touch to one of them because none of that mattered anymore. You know what? Matt? Only one thing mattered. You know what it was? One thing, finding college. You know, and until we get hungry enough, and God, give us the hunger back. Until we get hungry enough again to not care, to call out their names, to not care for somebody to see us trying to reach somebody, until we get hungry enough to fan out, because, man, we come to church, we get on our holy huddles, Come on, amen or oh, me. Until we get hungry enough to fan out and find somebody that's a little too bit alone on a Sunday morning. Until we get hungry enough to, to climb up, climb over, climb under, climb around, wherever it takes us, however it takes as far as it takes us. Until we get hungry enough that I don't need anything to drink right now. Until we get hungry enough to see something. You, know you know what fasting is? Let me tell you what fasting is. Fasting is saying I want God to do something so amazing in my life. I'm not hungry right now Oh, yeah, there's something telling me I'm empty But I am not hungry for that right now that I am more hungry for God to do an amazing thing That's what we did. I mean it was a two-minute fast, but it was the same That's what we we were doing. We it didn't matter anymore And until we get hungry enough to see somebody reach for Jesus that does not know him We are not going to own our reach We got to get that hunger back and I know you've got it, and maybe it's gotten covered up. And that's my prayer for you today. God, uncover the hunger, renew, restore the passion, and let us reach again. Let us reach again.